Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, you've we're reading the book you've heard us complain about. Yes. From the beginning, The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents, book 28. Or is it Morris? Well, British people say it Morris. Yeah. Uh, it is written M-A-U-R-I-C-E, which in America, and I assume Canada, yeah. you pronounce it Maurice. Uh, it might be one of those French-derived things that British people like through spite do not want to pronounce the french way i don't know um it was pronounced morris in the book in the audiobook yes. yeah and that made me wonder if it was a reference you may not remember this this was in the 70s and the like early 80s yes there's morris the cat yeah was the mascot of nine lives cat food and it was like a look who's talking we can hear his inner thoughts cat. right and so like as a kid i saw morris the cat who could kind of talk a lot and i wonder if that's meant to be could be i um think i've seen some of those on youtube yeah like, they're, they're they weren't they weren't still airing they're, when they're i was cat food commercials yeah. from back then so they weren't like there was a point where commercials started getting clever this was before then mm-hmm. they were they were you know the clever part was you saw a cat that's all you needed well but meow, 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 meow 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 is now just running through well, my yeah. head and that's all i can hear that's a competing brand though, it doesn't so, matter that's yeah. all i can hear mm-hmm. why don't you tell us what happens in this book um, a cat and some rats gain sentience. Yeah, very good. The end. Yeah. Uh, so this is ostensibly a young adult book. Right. That's why it's yep. short. That's supposedly why it's simple, I mm-hmm. would guess. Mm. Why is it so violent and talking about dicks all the time? There's then? a bunch of sex jokes. Yeah. Like, like as more than, much... More than usual, I would mm, say. I would say... I notice them more because it's mm. a kid's book, but I would say just as much as any book that has Nanny Og in it or yeah. Nobby, you know, characters who, who are a yeah, little wink, filthy wink sometimes. Yeah, wink, wink, and nudge, nudge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But definitely, I mean, honestly, the Tiffany Aching books have some sex stuff in yeah, them, Yeah, they too. do. So I don't, maybe that's just a marketing thing. Maybe Could he be. didn't set out to write specifically young adult books. It it's feels, shorter. But it feels like his publisher, mm-hmm. like, this is this is headcanon. Real life, headcanon about real life. Yes. What do you call that? Speculation. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I, I was, I was like, there's not a word for that. There's, there's no such thing as that. The, the Harry Pratt, Harry Pratchett, <laughs> the Harry Potter media empire mm-hmm. was well underway at this point, and I could very easily see his publishers saying, "Why can't we get a piece of that? Can you pick some of your books that are targeted to this demo?" He's like, "I don't know. They're fantasy books. Again, mm-hmm. just guessing, but it feels like they maybe targeted them differently." And he comes back to this well again with the Tiffany Aching books, yeah. uh, which are fucking rad. They're, They're great. so good. This sucked. Well, and I'm just going to go into my bad thing because okay. I talk about a lot of this stuff with that. There aren't any characters nope. in this. I mean, there were people and animals who acted like people, mm-hmm. but everyone felt like stock characters, like archetypes. And that, yeah. that, that's fine. You could argue that it's because it, it, it's supposed to be a young adult book. But the Tiffany Aiken yeah. books were also that, and they don't have this problem. They're they are just as block of rich characters. and nuanced. Yeah. They feature some established characters we mm-hmm. already know very well, but also we get to know some new characters very well. Mm-hmm. There's also, as we just said, a lot of gruesome death and sex mm-hmm. scene, or not sex scenes, there's sex no, jokes. Yeah, there's no, 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 there are not. Nobody's boning down. No, but uh, in, at one point, a little girl uh, discovers, well, this is referred to as yeah. something that happened in the past. We don't see it firsthand. Uh, clearly discovered two people having sex mm-hmm. and like reported it to the grown-ups. Um, 
but the Tiffany books start literally two books later, like a year after this. Yeah. So it's not like we're waiting for him to develop this skill. He already knows. So the, like that argument I could see if it's like, if we're way back in Color of Magic times, he doesn't, he's not great at that yet. No, this, he is. This book, I, I've only read it once and I only read it with my eyes. I didn't hear the audio book mm-hmm. um, because I hated it. So I didn't read right. it again right. um i hated it less than i remembered hating it mm-hmm. um if this book had happened as book like four or five in the series i would be more forgiving yeah um but so late in the series it's like it's just not very good no and again with all the character stuff you could also like i'm i whenever i have a complaint like that i always mm-hmm. think well what is what are the counter arguments right for this? well it's a kid's book no that doesn't fly well it's sort of a fairy tale because there's a lot of grim fairy tale right. stuff in here it's but there's a lot of that in a lot of the other books too. Earlier books he draws... too, like Witches Abroad yeah. is was, all about fairy all that. stories. It was all fairy stories. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he uses a lot of that, especially in the Witches books, but in some other things as well. So that doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. There's no good excuse. He knows how to write good characters. He just didn't really show up. Yeah, this feels fo- it feels phoned in. And also it's not very funny. No, there's there's, there's some good bits. But I it's remember not... there being no jokes at all, mm. like none. Like that this being was... a deadly serious. Yeah, book? that w- no, not deadly serious. Just like not funny. Trying to be funny and not. Yeah. Okay. But there are jokes in it, and there mm. are some jokes that land. Like mm. it wasn't. This was an unpleasant read, but it wasn't an undurable slog. No, as much as we've dreaded it on this show, you guys have heard us yeah. month in and month out say we we don't want to read this book. It's still a weird thing to come between Thief of Time and uh, Nightwatch. Yeah. Two of the very best books in the late, later in the series. Like, really? And someone wrote in to tell us that his books were in various, mm-hmm. like, form, you know, various stages of being finished, and it's not necessarily fair to judge them one right after the other, because maybe he started this one after book two, but... I mean, we're reading them in order. We're judging them yeah, in the order they were these released. These are the orders that he let them out in. And if he started writing a book and then came back to it later with new sort of fresh eyes and fresh skills. And so, oh, I'm better than this now. Yeah, you have to fucking fix it, man. Yeah, exactly. So I, I appreciate that like, as, a, as you an have argument. A, you have a, a, like a garbage bag full of old ideas. Every writer does. Yeah. Every, every person who makes creative things over a long period of time ends up with scraps. Yeah. And... If you want to use those scraps, that's fine, but you have to dress it up yeah. with your now if, if it's skills. a scrap I wrote 10 years yeah. ago, I hate that writer. I don't want to write anything like him. Yeah, you so strip I'll... it for jokes and yeah. move on. Yeah, exactly. But all of that said, it wasn't as bad as I remember. Apparently, like, you yeah. didn't like it. I didn't like I it. I never finished it. Mm-hmm. I. It's interesting because the premise of this podcast was we're coming back to all these books that right. we've read at least once, uh, in some cases several times. I never finished this. Because the audio, this is why, this is how petty I am and mm-hmm. how dedicated I am to this specific thing. Uh, the voice for the title character, uh, Maurice or Morris, uh, that Stephen Briggs gives him in the audiobook. It's real annoying. It is, it's a, it's a British person doing a bad American accent, yeah. which is something that really grates on me. And this was quite bad. He really exaggerates it because he's supposed to be a con man. Yeah. He's supposed to, and I get that. That's. That... Giving an American voice was a good idea. Yeah, if you can do an American accent, he couldn't. But then, 
I don't know. I like Stephen Briggs as a narrator. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has even half the character voices that Nigel Planer he had. He doesn't have as many character voices. I love his narration and I love some of his characters and yeah. a lot of his characters I prefer, but mm-hmm. a lot of his side characters are just but the nothing. The problem is he's got about five good voices yeah. and he uses them over and over. like like Vimes was mm-hmm. in this yeah. and Carrot was mm-hmm. in this and it's like you need to you need to switch it up, man. You need to maybe make the Carrot Welsh voice deeper or something or so, yes yeah, yeah. something i don't know but it's his job he does it for a right. living that's that's all i'm gonna say about the audiobook because yeah. it's not fair to judge the entire book based on one yeah, version the, of the it. fact that you hate the audiobook but that's why i never finished it so really two-thirds of this was new to me and it wasn't too bad like i say uh, it turns out i thought i hated this book more than i hated all the other books mm-hmm. that's not the case sorcery's worse interesting mm-hmm. times is worse the shopping carts one mm-hmm. reaper man reaper man oh god reaper man was way worse mm-hmm. um this didn't have any shining great parts though no. there's a couple of good parts and the last third of the book was significantly better than the first two-thirds yeah what he what he was building yeah. to ended up being all right but we spent a lot of time fucking around before we got there yes i will agree with that to some extent however um we always listen to the audiobook mm-hmm. and then we go back through like the ebook yeah. for to do our notes and uh i realized that at the 10 percent mark mm-hmm. they were already in the town like it, right. it actually moved along pretty well i thought but we spent a lot i'm talking about a lot of the the front the front of the town stuff mm-hmm. where we meet uh melissa and all that was mm-hmm. it kind of it went on a bit, and we explained the premise yeah. two or three times That's in the true. book. That is true. Like, we explain it to, at the beginning, to the audience, and we mm-hmm. explain it to Melissa, and then we explain it to the town, and I think we ex- I think we also explain it to the evil rat, but... Or like, maybe to the rat catchers, yeah. yeah. But, but it gets explained, like, a bunch of times, and it's a short book, and it is not a complicated concept. No, and all of that said, though, there is some interesting stuff in here. There's some, like... You said early on, this is gas boat. This is the gas boat joke. Yeah. And it was at first, but it teased the idea out. It, it took it in different ways. It explored a lot of, and this is my good thing, all the stuff about becoming sentient and civilized, mm-hmm. I liked. Uh, Maris developing conscious, uh, a conscience mm-hmm. and the rats developing morals, not eating other rats and all that, and the stuff about what's behind the eyes, mm-hmm. like trying to figure out, well, we used to eat other rats. Where is the soul? Right. We've, we've you've seen a rat corpse. You've gnawed into it. Where's you know? And it's all pretty good. And there's a good sort of philosophical argument for you don't have to believe in something mm-hmm. like metaphysical to have morals. There's a there's a nice little discussion about good and bad don't have to come from the fear of the rat underground or right. whatever. They come from just knowing what's good or bad. And I I, I liked all that. There Morris's story is pretty enjoyable because he's a cat and cats are all monsters yeah they he's, are he's a selfish jerk who just wants to get fed and yeah is willing to kill whatever yeah they're manipulative soulless killers that's yeah. what cats are that's mm-hmm. what we like about them because yeah. cats are like people yeah I love um cats. yeah so but morris develops a conscience and at first it's sort of like okay well i'm not going to eat other sentient creatures mm-hmm. uh every time he catches a rat he gives them an opportunity to speak to see if they're like a right. if they're a person or right. if they're like um and then he's and then that's sort of performative because he makes a point mm-hmm. of telling the rats that he does this over and over yeah. again and i like that and they all are like yeah we know you mentioned it many times like sir developing 
the conscience is one mm-hmm. thing. Developing the guilt that comes with mm-hmm. the conscience is a whole separate thing, and I like that. But and also, so he he becomes mm-hmm. he starts thinking about it, and it's the story of how a bad person begins with like to to stop trying to be a bad person right. by doing good actions or curtailing their bad actions, and then eventually that muscle sort of strengthens, right? And y- you well, that, start acting better without thinking about it first. Then you have to work on motive. Yes, like first you stop doing the bad things, but then you work on the source of it, which is why you do the bad right. things. Right, and that it wasn't handled as skillfully as some of Terry Pratchett's character arcs. In other books, no, Vimes is like the shining yeah. example of of the person who was not as good and became better. But it's not bad. It's not bad. It was pretty rudimentary. Well, um, yeah, and you could say that's because it's a kids' book. But I don't know. But in Tiffany, in the Tiffany books, we have some complex ideas. Yes, we absolutely about do. Death and power and. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know that I buy that that as an excuse. No, um, it just feels like a sketch. Yeah, and on the other hand, I can see what he was trying to do because yeah. I think what he was trying to do is deal with through Morris Maurice. Mm-hmm. I I never know which I'm, I can't I'm just I can't saying, pick one. I'm just saying Morris now because we just listened to like six hours of audiobook. Yeah, I then I feel like a poser who's trying to sound English. Oh no! Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just listened to the audiobook. It's also why I don't know how to say Eddie Izzard because he says Izzard, but we would probably say Izzard. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, no, I like that he, the cat, is sort of the individual expression of what it means to to come to terms with all this, and the rats are sort of the collective, like becoming civilization. Like they're right, two they're different the, manifestations they're the social of the same element of it, right? And it's interesting to me that he's done this a bit through Ankh-Morpork, mm-hmm. but when we came into Ankh-Morpork, it was like a medieval mm-hmm. barbarian city, and it's gradually becoming more civilized. He started completely from ground zero, from scratch, from having no thoughts to having thoughts to becoming civilized to becoming an integrated part mm-hmm. of a human town, and I thought that was pretty interesting. And Morris is kind of outside of it the whole time. Yeah, because, because they're two a, different things. Yeah, because he's like a rugged individualist and he learns to care about people more. Right. But he's not interested in joining like this this collective. No, the, ver- the very predictable yet not unenjoyable mm-hmm. final beat is him finding a new stupid looking kid to, yeah. to start his grift all over again because that cat's going to cat, mm-hmm. you know, that's fine. I do like stupid looking kid. So the the, the kid mm-hmm. who is part of their whole con, which is the, the Pied Piper thing. He pretends to be the Piper. The rats leave town and they get paid. Right. For the first two or three chapters. And this is like the only Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. book with chapters, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Tick. Is, is uh, re- well, okay. Those were kind yeah. of like chapters. Um, is described just as the stupid looking kid. I would have loved if that was just his name mm-hmm. through the whole book. But then... He reveals that his name is Keith, and then for the next chapter or two, there's a transition period where he's the stupid-looking Keith. Yeah, which is quite good. It was, and that then was, he's just that Keith. Was funny. But that, yeah, that that every time I heard it, I actually la- stupid-looking kid made me laugh. It made me laugh, and then I'd forget about it. Yep. It was good timing thing because then he'd say it again, and everyone in the st- it wasn't just from the cat's POV. Everyone referred to him that way, and I get exactly what they're talking like they. Mm-hmm. You know, the writer's room of Terry Pratchett. Mm-hmm. I get what Terry Pratchett's talking about because in a lot of these fairy stories, you get this gangly looking weird kid who has powers. And no name. And no name. And he's all he is weird looking, mm-hmm. stupid looking kid. <laughs> I think stupid looking was more gullible looking. Yes. 
in light of the the last bit where the cat is seeking out a new stupid looking kid because right. I think that's his first indication that maybe this is going to work mm-hmm. because that kid looks nice and stupid and he's going to do whatever I say. Oh, and there's a good bit where Morris is talking about how he learns to control humans Mm -hmm. because he learns what they want. And as soon as you learn what they want and what their dream is, Mm -hmm. you can make them do whatever you want. Yep. Which cats don't literally do, but it feels like a very Mm cat-like thing. It feels like if if a cat had sentience, that's how it would act. Well, cats, and this may not be true, but this is what I have read. This is our anthropomorphizing of cats, a lot of these ideas. But cats don't make noises to other cats for Mm. the most part. It's something they did as they became domesticated Mm -hmm. to get humans to feed them or pet them or do what they want. Right. So that is, I believe, a real thing that does sort of play into this as well yeah that's that's good i like that no i, I if i'd heard that i'd forgotten it. yeah that's and that good. might not be true i i read it it's like, one of I, those nice things to believe even if it isn't i read know? a study about yeah, it that yeah. might be old and out of date i don't know plus qi probably told us that and then, and then they in the next series they told true. us it wasn't yeah. then, how many moons oh my god uh-huh. i have no idea this is what a bully does <laughs> yeah um what was your good thing um, my good thing is, uh, the Piper. Mm-hmm. We meet a real rat Piper at the end of the book because the town is like, okay, enough. Mm-hmm. We're going to get right. a serious professional in. And everyone is terrified of him. Yep. And he's another con man, mm-hmm. uh, who, uh, just comes in and has a, and he says he's got magic mouse pipes. They're, they're not. No, he, he, he does. Yeah. He ha- it plays a note that only rats can Yeah, but can it's hear. not magic. It's a no, trick. No, it's not magic. It is a trick, yeah. but it does work. It's not entirely a con like like what Morris and the kid are, are pulling. It's But then he makes all the rats run into the river and right. rats are good swimmers, so they all live and come back to the town yeah. afterwards anyway. Or they'll go to the next town and right. then he'll go there. Right. Yeah. Um No, there's definitely a measure of con involved, but it's not one hundred percent dishonest. And Terry Pratchett brought that up a couple times in the book, which mm-hmm. makes me feel like he read the story and then he's like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Rats can swim. Rats can swim. They're known for swimming. What the fuck? Like, it feels like <laughs> it was something that was bothering him this whole time and he needed to talk about it. We've seen him do that throughout the series mm-hmm. where there are well-known fairy tales mm-hmm. or stories that are repeated and there's some logical flaw that, mm-hmm. wait a minute, no. It's driving him nuts. He always has, like... Nobby especially. Mm-hmm. There's other characters who do this too, but Nobby in particular right. will listen to some piece of commonly known wisdom right. and say, but Sarge, wait a minute. Yeah. That's always very good. But uh, but I, I, I liked the, the I con did. man thing. And I, that was another thing about the power of stories. He mm-hmm. says that, you know, you make up these stories about the rat, what the, the rat oh, piper the, will do. All the things the people were scared of yeah. that he would do, half of them were things that he put out there. Yep. And then... The rest is the story. Through, yeah, yeah, through the game of telephone and just yep. through the, the, the uh, avalanche, you know, effect became way worse. And he says, well, and I'm also going to all these small towns. And this is back in fantasy medieval times. Yeah. And people don't travel a lot. So something could have happened two towns over. And you don't know if it's true yeah, or not. You've the, never been there. All the stories of the horrible things I've done happen at least 50 miles away. Yeah. And no one's ever been there. So, you know. And Terry Pratchett's dealt with that idea yeah. before, too. Like. All the things that more Pork thinks are weird happen in Clatch or happen in you know, right. wherever. Um, I liked the scene between him and Stupid Looking yes. Keith because, okay, Stupid Looking Keith does, it's a very classic the way you end the story. The cat, come, Morris comes up with it. Right. Yeah. I've got some, 
I've got extra information. Mm-hmm. I've got access to extra like resources, so I can challenge you to a piper off, and yes. I, you won't summon any rats, and I will, and he wins. Yeah, and then the the piper takes him aside. I'm like, okay, here's gonna be another beat of pointless mm-hmm. like peril, or mm-hmm. he's gonna get mad. Right, and instead he's like, nah, respect, man. Yeah, you. You're I gonna, saw you're what gonna, you did. You're gonna make a good piper one you're, day. You're a con man too, huh? We're the same. And mm-hmm. let me let me tell you how the game works. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I liked that it it so he so easily could have become a cardboard villain right. for another chapter. And instead, it's like, no, nah, man. And it was a parallel between the piper yeah. and Morris, who's mm-hmm. a, who's a con man in this. Like he he runs the rats and makes right. them do the like. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but he didn't have that moment with. The cat, he had that moment with the stupid right. looking kid, which I, I don't know. I liked, I just liked that. I feel like Keith got the payoff he deserved, mm-hmm. even though there was nothing to the character. His, he still, like, the story ended the way it should for him. Right. Which I, you know, that was, that was satisfying. And honestly, the, the big satisfying thing for me was the villain, which yeah, felt so like that's... that might have been one of the best things about the book. I didn't choose it as my good thing, but it's, it's a very good thing. Th- that whole sequence was like was good yes um it's so do you 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 look like you're queuing something up oh i'm I'm getting my quote pulled up because the the uh the kobo or kindle has been kind of shitty recently oh okay um so i wanted to have that so i didn't have to vamp later on but i'm vamping now no i Um, wasn't sure if what you were pulling up is relevant to what we're talking about uh, i didn't want it will be okay Uh, so the idea, the villain of this is a rat king. And mm-hmm. what a rat king is is a bunch of rats with their tails all knotted together that may or may not have psychic powers. Well, In this, it does. Yeah, it, because they're forced to live in one sort of horrible mm-hmm. human centipede-style mm-hmm. thing, they have to learn how to communicate. And in Discworld, it totally follows that right. they would then b- develop this psychic bond. But I think the way they exist in real life, at least through stories, the idea would be they would have to learn to work together or they would die. Right. And so they become this sort of lumbering, collective, evil thing. And they're a thing that was made of cruelty, too, because mm-hmm. it turns out that this Rat King was made by one of the rat catchers. Who as... were basically eugenically building the cruelest, biggest rats yeah. they could through fighting them and then breeding the ones that survived and then breeding those yep. and so on and so on and so on. And they uh, part of becoming a rat catcher is proving that you can make a rat king because, mm-hmm. like, you can control rats enough to do this terrible thing to rats. Right? Oh, humans are monsters. Yeah. Um, who's the who's the real monster? Mm-hmm. It, it's man. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's that's the bad the guy the bad guy. No, and it and it feels like on the one hand it's a nice sort of like reflection of mm-hmm. the rats that we've gotten mm-hmm. to know forming a society. It's like here's another way to look at this collective thing right because the rats are living sort of a collectivist right uh type lifestyle where everybody's needs are being considered right and it feels like sort of a democracy versus totalitarian yeah. like they're, i'm not qualified to read that much mm-hmm. into it but it felt like it's probably hinting at something like yeah we can come together like this or we can come together like this but it also felt a bit like zombies or the borg right or that kind of evil thing in stories where it's or like that fungus that makes ants do stuff right well, that, that's a real thing, though. Yeah, yeah, it feels ta- like that. I'm talking about like good examples of pop culture, like villains like this, where there's no hive mind. There's no yeah. one face. They're just coming for you, and they're endless and like 
that was, it was good. It was a good way to make that work. Yeah, and the uh, the Rat King says, uh, you know, you can kill all of the rats I'm controlling, but it doesn't matter because there will always be another rat. And there wasn't really, like, the Rat King wasn't really a guy, was he? Wasn't he sort of just, like, the realization of their collective... Yeah, well, the Rat King, yeah, was, yeah, a bunch of... It was. It's not like there was one guy they could kill. No, they, well, I mean, it was a bunch of them, like, all tied together. Right. Like, eight, like you could kill eight the eight rats that are tied together. Right. But there wasn't one guy, like, yes, there was talk of control and all that, but it wasn't really exactly that. Well, the Rat King named themselves Spider. Right, because there's eight of them. Yeah, and there's one, like, there was one, like, they were one thing that was then controlling all of the other rats. Well, all right. So it's kind of like the Borg Queen. Yeah, I was going to say, it's still a collective, though, because it's still eight of them making one, so... No, and that was that, that was the best scene in the book. Yeah, it definitely um, was. That actually, so that the reason I was spending so much time mm-hmm. pulling up my bullshit, uh, seamless, uh, is that I want to read my quote, okay. and then I want to talk about my bad thing, absolutely, which is something that's been sort of like under my skin since we started reading this book, and mm-hmm. I I want to preface that by saying I, I feel like again this is not. I haven't fully thought this out, and I might not be the best person to talk about this idea the more I think about it. But here we go anyway. Uh, So this happens when um, uh, Dangerous Beans, our main rat, Mm -hmm. um, is confronting the Rat King. Mm -hmm. And so the Rat King says to Dangerous Beans, Oh, you think you are a good rat? But a good rat is the one that steals the most. You must think a good rat is a rat in a vest, a little human with fur. Oh, yes, I know about the stupid, stupid book. Traitor, traitor to rats. And then he goes on to say later on, You are nothing but a rat, a little rat, and I am the very soul of ratdom. Admit it, little rat, you are a little blind pet rat. So we've got the Rat King who is embodying a lot of, um, like, sort of bad things. Yeah. Uh, the Rat King is controlling rats and is causing rats to spread disease and plague and bite people and, and steal food. And it causes food. the rats we've gotten to know to lose their sentience if, it fa- if they fall under its control. Right. Um, but a lot of the things that the Rat King is making the controlled rats do are things that are very ratty, like scurry around in the darkness and steal food and like all of like mm-hmm. like all the rat stuff and our rats are sentient now and they have decided that there are some things they won't do they won't eat other rats they won't um mm-hmm. they think that like peeing in food and spoiling it is like it's embarrassing it's right. not something that that's done right and okay so it feels like the our rats are trying to develop like a culture, but we don't really have a culture that's separate from human culture. Mm-hmm. Like the King Rat says, you guys are just acting like little humans in vests. Well, and that's what it feels like. It feels like they think their natural progression should be more human. Right, towards being more human mm-hmm. and not being like just sentient rats. Right. Like what is a rat when you take away, like, a lot of the rat instincts. Mm -hmm. It's like, and I think if Terry Pratchett had done a better job, we would have a culture there that was was different than human culture. And there's a little bit of it, but it's mostly just, like, mimicking human culture. We know he's capable of this. He's created, like, 
and yeah, he's built it on existing fantasy right. stuff, but he's created whole cultures already. He could absolutely do it. Yeah, and so, but instead, <laughs> we do just have these guys who are, they're supposed to be different than like the Peter Cottontail type thing, but they're well, yeah, really we, not. We keep getting these uh, excerpts from a book. That's the book that was referenced in your quote. Yeah, Mr. Bunsey. Right, which is supposed to be that kind of yeah. jolly kids, which also uh, ties into Melissa always wanting everything mm-hmm. to be a story. Right. And and them saying, look, it's not about wearing wearing little waistcoats and right. all that. And actually, I I don't know. I I think some of that was okay because at the end, the humans when they're trying to compromise right. keep saying, why don't you have a desk in my office? And right, why don't you desk. do this human thing? And what? And they're like, no, we're rats. We will stay underground. We will do this. We will coexist. And I liked that. I, it just, but I don't feel like there was enough there. Okay, there is. Oh boy. Okay. So when you've got oppressed cultures that um, the oppressors are taking away Mm -hmm. their culture, Mm -hmm. once they become less oppressed and they start sort of um, either uh, beginning like, like taking the scraps and putting the culture back together or talking to people Mm -hmm. from like wherever to find out or people who remember and putting stuff back together, like all of that kind of stuff and sort of rebuilding it, they rebuild it and they also sort of create it. And Mm -hmm. that's like, that's like a thing. No, I understand. And instead they're just assimilating. Yeah. I get it, but I don't know that that's not, this is, you get into an ugly place if you say yeah. the rats are meant to be oppressed people because, yeah. ooh, that could get ugly real oh, quick. Oh, it's already, but... Maybe that's not what this is. It may not be what this is, but it felt like there was a there was a lot of talk about that sort of thing mm. in this. And so my, my point is the messaging feels all over the place. Okay. And a lot of reading, a lot of it made me feel very uncomfortable. And I don't know what he was trying to say, but I feel like I didn't agree with it. But... Uh, I don't know. I, I think you're I reading heavier be, stuff in yeah. there than was intended, but maybe maybe you're right. But it... Yeah. I didn't bring it up. He brought it up. Yeah, but I don't know that he brought up the themes that you're reading into it necessarily. Yeah. Maybe he did. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. It, there was a lot of stuff in here that made me very uncomfortable. I can And it that. wasn't just that I was like, man, this book kind of sucks and I don't like <laughs> it, um, which some of the other ones, that's all it is. Yeah. This one felt like there was some stuff there that I fundamentally disagreed with what he was trying to say or he was saying it so badly i couldn't tell a difference that's fair i don't i don't think that's what he was trying to say yeah but uh, it's impossible like this is impossible to argue mm-hmm. beyond i didn't see it that way i did right because we can't ask him <laughs> get a shovel so yeah exactly um i don't know i liked some of the stuff at the end where they're compromising and there's there's a passage that i highlighted mm-hmm. is real short um where uh, they say, uh, the, the humans say, well, why didn't you just burn our town down? You know about poison. Why didn't mm-hmm. you just poison us? They're like, well, we could have. And then what? Go to the next town mm-hmm. and do it again? At some point, we got to talk to you. And then the mayor says, well, uh, I'm glad you like us. And mm-hmm. Dark Tan opened his mouth to say, like you? No, we just don't hate you enough. We're not friends. Mm-hmm. But, and then it goes on to talk about all the things there wouldn't be anymore and how it's better to just sort of find the middle ground. And I liked them bonding at the end over being a leader mm-hmm. like all the committee stuff that's classic terry pratchett right there. all the committee stuff is getting nowhere because people in a group are horrible mm-hmm. when the and two they keep leaders splintering off into smaller mm-hmm. and smaller groups mm-hmm. and they get nothing accomplished right. yeah when the two leaders have a moment to talk and you think these two have nothing in common suddenly they're finding their common ground mm-hmm. and things are working because two individual people 
are uh, talking. Right. And that's a very Terry Pratchett idea, and I liked it a lot. There's another good bit at the end of the book where Morris uh, dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's actually my quote. Okay, we'll do your quote then. It is very, very long. Yeah, do it. I want to talk it about is, it. It is quite good. All right. So we talked already about how uh, he would ask uh, a rat yep. or anything if it could talk first. Right. Before killing it. That, that, that sets up what this is. He sprang into the air and landed on the bone rat. The little skies skidded across the floor. Okay, mister, let's hear you talk, Maurice began. Squeak! Uh, <laughs> said Maurice, as the horrible awareness of what he'd done caught up with him. A hand grabbed him by the back of the neck and lifted him up higher and higher and then turned him around. Maurice stopped struggling immediately. He was being held by another figure, much taller, human size, but with the same style of black robe, a much bigger scythe, and a definite lack of skin around the face. Strictly speaking, there was a considerable lack of face about the face, too. It was just bone. Desist from attacking my associate, Maurice, said Death. Yes, sir, Mr. Death, sir, at once, sir, Maurice said quickly. No problem, sir. I haven't seen you lately, Maurice. No, sir, said Maurice, relaxing slightly. Been very careful, sir, looking both ways when I cross the street and everything, sir. And how many do you have left now? Six, sir. Six. Six out of nine. Very definitely. Very definitely six lives, sir. Death looked surprised. But you were run over by a cart only last month, weren't you? That, sir, barely grazed me, sir. Got away with hardly a scratch, sir. Exactly. Oh. That makes five lives, Maurice. Up until today's adventure. Fair enough, sir. Fair enough. Maurice swallowed. Oh, well. Might as well try. So let's say I'm left with three, right? Three? I was only going to take one. You can't lose more than one life at a time, even if you're a cat. That leaves you four, Maurice. And I say take two, sir, said Maurice urgently. Two, and call it quits? Death and Maurice looked down at the faint, shadowy outline of dangerous beans. Some other rats were standing around him now, picking him up. Are you sure? asked Death. After all, he is a rat. Uh, Yes, sir, that's where it gets complicated, sir. You can't explain? Yes, sir, don't know why, sir. Everything's been a bit odd lately, sir. That is very uncat-like of you, Maurice. I'm amazed. I'm pretty shocked too, sir. I just hope no one finds out, sir. Death lowered Maurice to the floor next to his body. You leave me little choice. The sum is correct, even though it is amazing. We came for two, and two we will take. The balance is preserved. That's it. All, that's a good scene. The whole sequence is really good. Like, picturing I was Morris... a mad, I was waiting for the death of rats. It's like this whole yeah. book exists to spotlight the death of rats, and right? And he's barely in it. All the rats talk about the bone rat who comes for them when they die. Yeah, but I kind of thought a whole book about mm-hmm. rats would be an excuse to hang out with this character, and we barely saw him. It was just a myth, mostly. Oh, God, it was so good, though. The, the, oh, yeah. The image of Morris, like, pouncing on the death of rats. Yeah, and then, whoops. <laughs> I, I liked... He, he doesn't want the rats mm-hmm. to know that he saved them. Right. Which I liked. But I like... The Nine Lives thing is such an obvious mm-hmm. thing that has never come up as far as I know in a Discworld book before. There's been lots of cats, mm-hmm. but we've never... And it was like, well, he's dead. Mm-hmm. They, they killed... I mean, Terry Pratchett certainly killed off a main character before. It's certainly possible. I was like, oh, Nine Lives... Like, it oh, was, that's it was right. It was right there yep. in the open, and I completely missed it. That was very good misdirection. Also, Death Likes Cats. De- so a, a talking cats. cat is probably... A talking, talking cat? It's <laughs> probably um, mm-hmm. kind of kind of. He's nice got a soft spot. He might yeah. not have let anyone else get away with mm-hmm. that, but a cat... Yeah, all right. But that uh, that sequence goes on, and uh, he's uh, Morris is talking to Death and says you know, ask Death if you can ask him a question. Mm-hmm. And uh, Death says, yes, but I might not answer it. Mm-hmm. And so then Morris asks, um, is there such a thing as like a big cat up in the sky? Like, is there a cat god? Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Death says, Morris, I'm su- Morris, I'm surprised at you. Mm-hmm. That sounds too much like work. Like yep. this, so there's a, ca- a cat wouldn't come on. Yeah, yep. a cat's not gonna be a god of anything. Also, that sort of dovetails with the you don't have to be religious. Yeah, Terry Pratchett was a was a very like very vocal like mm-hmm. humanist atheist. Like you should do good things, but not because of religion, but because it's the right thing. Yeah, and you I, should that... do good things because you should do good things, idiot. Right, and. Because the Discworld has real gods, there's mm-hmm. mostly people who believe in them or at least keep their distance. But every now and then you'll get this this atheist-type character right. who still does the right thing because it's the right thing, which I like. We haven't talked at all about the rats' names. Oh, yeah. There's not much to talk no, about. No, but... it's a real smorgasbord, orgasbord situation. Yeah, it's clearly yeah. a reference to Charlotte's Web. They named, like, Once they became sentient, they're in a garbage pile, so they named themselves after words they see. I had a problem with that. Okay. It, it was funny. Yeah. I, I won't deny that it was funny. I had a hard time keeping the characters apart in mm-hmm. my head because usually you give one or two characters a ridiculous novelty name. Yeah, silly name. name, yeah. If they all have silly names, then I can't. It might You might as well just call them John and Jim and Bill. Right. Like, they need something to set them apart. And he's usually very good at that. Come on, there's a guy named Carrot. Yeah. That's not a name. But because he's around a guy mm. named Sam... And a guy named Fred, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, he's the one who's Carrot. I get it now. Like, he's he's usually so good at that. But I honestly, Dark Tan and Dangerous Beans, and mm-hmm. I kept forgetting which one was which. Yep. And Stephen Briggs did different voices, yep. and I kind of remembered. But, mm. like, that bit I don't think worked because of that. Yeah, it feels like maybe the first couple that got sentient should have been like that, and then after that... And someone explained to them how names work. And, and then, then all the rest of them are not like that, so you get two or three with silly names. Or you vary the silly name, mm-hmm. like, logic. Right. One of them... Because they were all food. Yeah. Except for name... Dark Tan, they were all pretty but much But name food. yourself after, like, the Mr. Bunsy book, call yeah. yourself Mr. Ratty, or something, you know, yeah. just like, so that each one has a different, like, it's a different uh, Yeah, thing. a different silly name. Yeah, that's all. Peach is the rat is one of the only women characters in the book. Um, okay. And, oh boy, she is just there to bake cookies for the boys. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, yeah she's like she, the secretary. Yeah, she, she writes things down that the great leader thinker, Dangerous Beans, uh, comes up with. Mm-hmm. She doesn't come up with any of her own stuff. She just writes his stuff down. And then every time he She needs... invented writing. Yeah, she invented writing. Um, but and but she invented writing to help dangerous beans. Well, to help their culture. But yeah, yeah, you're right. You're and right. then every time he's in trouble, she like yeah. helps him up and you're, shores him up. You're not wrong, but I think Melissa was like, whatever. You know, like not a bad female character. Like she, it wasn't like she was the only girl. And then there was another rat who was like Big a savings. nervous. Was that who it was? No, the the uh oh nutritious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nutritious, yeah. delicious. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. The one that used to be a whiddler and yeah. then became went to the trap squad was a nice sort of like new recruit mm-hmm. who was scared and that's almost always a male character yeah. and it was like, "Oh, that's nice. There's no reason for that to be a lady." You're you're right that there weren't enough, but th- there was some at least. And that... I Melissa felt like a good idea for a character who was supposed to be annoying in story, but unfortunately it was so effective, I just found her annoying. And none of these guys really had much of a character. They had a couple of characteristics. And so that I'm not like saying like her, her lack of character wasn't any worse than anyone Her lack of character because she was an equal character to uh, stupid looking Keith. They had about the same level of character. It's not like she was underwritten compared to him. But 
you know, the idea was that she's descended from the people who wrote their mm-hmm. grim fairy tales instead of Grimm's fairy tales, but right. they're exactly the same thing. They're the horrible stories that kids get told. And so she sees everything like a story. And we've seen this a lot in Terry Pratchett. It's a theme, and I like it. But, but she was we, just again, kind of annoying. And we've seen this done better elsewhere. Honestly, everything in this book we've seen done better elsewhere. I'm okay with him repeating themes yeah. if there's something new to say. And like I said, yeah. it originally felt like Maurice was gaspode, and then he went a different way with it. So it's like, okay, we have seen this, but now it's saying something different. But th- Like, Gaspo didn't explore his morality. He did a bit. A little bit. But he didn't explore it to this extent. So there's there's some new ground there. And but a lot of this is stuff we've seen in his books elsewhere done better earlier. And a lot of this stuff is, like, a lot of these ideas, and I don't say this about Terry Pratchett stuff very often, is stuff I've seen done in other books by other authors better. Like, better well, by other like, fantasy writers? Yeah, yeah, like, Rats of Nim was better than this. Mm-hmm. Like, and Watership Down, I don't like as much as some of the other stuff, but Watership mm-hmm. Down was better than this. Like, it's, like, well, it's, I've, I've seen it done better, like, if I've been had by better, sir. This is not, well, mm. I, I, okay, I'm not familiar enough with either of those. Like, I've seen the movie versions of both of those, but I, I hadn't read the books. But um, I feel like we should give him a little bit of credit, mm-hmm. because at this point in the series, he could just write a watch book and a witch book and right. a watch book, and, and that's it, forever. And he tried something a little new. He tried to do, he tried to break out of the mold a little bit, and... Maybe it didn't work, but I'm I'm impressed by book. What are we on? Twenty three, twenty eight like now. Yeah. Book twenty eight, and he's still trying something. Like it wasn't entirely new. You're right. It was a lot of repeating stuff, but it was this felt. This doesn't feel like any of the other books in in a lot of ways. No, it doesn't. But a lot of the ideas are they feel like sketches. No, and that's, that he's fully formed in other that's, previous. That's books. where he loses credit. But for me, he gets a little bit of credit for, like I say, book twenty eight. He phoned it in. On the on details level, yeah. but concept wise, this is this is a little of a break from uh, mm-hmm. from form, and I, I I applaud him at least for that much. But it still ultimately didn't make a very good book. No, it's the thing. Like I say, I remember hating this the yeah. most, and I did not hate this the most. No. There are three or four books that I hated way more than this. This yeah. was not fun to read, but it was like I no, it was still a bit of a yeah. Chore. But, but it wasn't a chore like some of the other ones where I lay on the ground and stomp my feet on the floor while I was listening the entire time. Yeah. I didn't do that for this. Mm, there, we definitely could have finished this a few days ago. Yeah. And, and we didn't. Cause Look, literally anything else. There are many of his books where it's like, uh, we want to get the podcast in the can because mm. we both have some plans or whatever. And uh, let's just let's spend an afternoon and read the right. last four hours of this. And we couldn't do more than about two hours of this at a time. Yeah. But th- that said, we're through. The one, the last one that we know, we don't, we're not crazy about, and yeah. the, the next ten or twelve or something like that are really good. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's, there's some books that I like to greater and lesser degrees yeah. coming up, but there's not another book that I dislike. No, we've said this a few times. Yeah. there's nothing below a B. Nope. From from this point forward to the end of the series, mm-hmm. which is great. We'll have a lot of, and we'll have a lot of interesting, different stuff to talk mm-hmm. about, and like, and you won't have to hear us complain about having to read the Amazing Maurice anymore. Yeah, but. Maybe that's what people like. Maybe people like when I'm mad about stuff and uh, I hate it. Seems I've, like something people would love. I've only gotten a little bit of listener feedback, and what I have gotten is, like, you guys complain a lot. Yeah, we sure do. So, I mean, these are our opinions. This, that's what the show is. I'm sorry. I'm deeply critical. That's the, But that's because this is a thing we love. 
we're deeply critical about the parts we don't like, mm-hmm. but when we come to something we do like, you know it has withstood our scrutiny and we love it. That's the point. Sorry, books. It's hard to love me. <laughs> uh, so. Hey, uh, Al, it's hard to be loved by me, huh? Yeah, we've been together for almost 15 years <laughs> yeah. and been married for like nine of those. Yeah. Hypercritical. <sighs> so, uh, we did not find a pune or play on words this time. There... Short book. There wasn't a lot of wordplay. No, there wasn't a whole ton of groaners. That's just not. It wasn't the, the it way wasn't the that, book was written. It wasn't that type of book. They're, like. There definitely were one or two in there that we just that didn't come to mind at the end. We probably should have flagged them. Like, but they were so mild. There weren't like that normally. Mild. It's like, yeah. there's no. nothing like that in this. No, he loves his wordplay. Yeah. And sometimes I love it too. Sometimes I mean, you know, I make a show of groaning, mm-hmm. but it's like okay, that's that's like, like the like in soul music when uh, Nobby said liar. Right. That oh, was, that was so good. Of course, I'm gonna make a show of groaning at it, but that was pretty damn oh, funny. Oh, so good. Yeah. And there's a few others like that, too. There's a few where it's like, are you even trying? But there's mm-hmm. a few where it's like, okay, you put some thought into this. You you set that up, and mm-hmm. I didn't see the setup coming. And I'm, what I'm really mad at is myself for not for seeing not, that damn yeah. joke coming. It was such a long walk, but, and I didn't notice. But but his magician's patter was so good, yep. you didn't see where his hand was. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that you got to give him credit for that. Uh, so we don't have one of those. Uh, and our cliche count... All zeros. Weird. He didn't hit any. No gingerly, no susceration, no surreptitious, no quantum, no something that happens to other people. There is an asterisk there Mm -hmm. because there's one tiny bit where the mayor talks about how his daughter, Melissa, happens Mm -hmm. to other people as is a thing that happens to other people. But it wasn't it wasn't in the same sense that Terry Pratchett makes that joke. So it doesn't really count. There is a lot of hopping from one foot to another foot. Oh, that's that is that's one that I wanted to call out Mm -hmm. early on and I forgot. And he he loves having his characters do that. And I don't understand what it is. And in this, it happens a ton. Yes. Only sometimes they hop from one paw to the other. Yes. Yes. Uh, So grades. Uh, C minus. This sucked. I don't think a C minus sucks is the thing. It's a passing grade. Sucked. I think you don't understand what sucks means. Sucked. I gave it a C plus and I think it's fine. Hmm. I don't want to read it again. Never will I read this book again. But it wasn't a miserable slog like it, I thought. It wasn't. It wasn't a miserable slog. It was It was a slog in the sense that we just read a great book. We're about to read another great book. And I'd like to be doing that. Yeah. Like... But it felt kind of like when you binge a show and there's a filler episode mm-hmm. between two good ones. Come on. Yeah, I know there's better coming. Why Why do I have to, like, but, but you read it anyway, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we're doing. <laughs> we're reading Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. That's our mission statement. Anything else? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, next time we are doing Nightwatch. Yes. Which we'll talk about this next time is a premise on paper that did not I, sound like it would be a good book. I like, cause I was, by this point I was reading them in order Yeah, and I had just read Maurice and I was like, Bleh. and then I read what the next book was and I'm like, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. This doesn't like, sound like a good <laughs> idea for a book. I, I hate predestination paradoxes. I hate time loops. I hate yep. a lot of that stuff. And I was reading the cover and I'm like, Oh, so I will hate this book. Yeah. And I just hated the book. I just read. Maybe I'm, Maybe I need a break. Yeah. Or maybe this author is taking yeah. his series to a place I'm not interested in anymore. 
And then when I finally, I finally was like, because I it might I be think your favorite watch book. It's, it's, it might be my favorite because then I heard about the Tiffany books and I'm like, oh, I really want to read the Tiffany books. And I'm like, well, I don't want to just keep reading. I'll get this over with. And so I read it and I was, oh, I love the whole thing. It's so yeah, good. It's very, very good. It, it might be like my second favorite watch. Yeah, book. it's that or Feet of Clay. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I love both those watch books very much. Yeah. So look forward to that, and then and then after that we get into the Tiffany Aiken books. They yes. happen. They happen very soon. Like I, that surprised I, me. I remember them happening way later in the series. Nope. Probably because the the last book of the series is a Tiffany book. So yeah, but that's Tiffany book five. Yeah. So there have to be a bunch of other books yeah. to happen between them. None of them ever happen two in a row. So there's always like some Man, other I like stuff the in Tiffany between. Books. They're yeah. good. But yeah, book thirty is uh, is yeah. the first Tiffany book. So looking forward to that. Uh, but that's all for this time. This has been a co-production of Ron Alarwad and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019 and 2020. For full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.